Good morning, and welcome to Simply Politics. It's Wednesday, February 21st. On today's show, a former GOP congressman calls out Trump's comments on Navalny as anti-American crap, and we take a look at the cash edge Biden and the DNC have built over Trump. Plus, we discuss how get the Tories out may carry the election, but won't fix the fault lines of a broken politics. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Politics. We start off with a recent critique from former Republican Congressman Joe Walsh, who has criticized former President Donald Trump's attempt to compare his legal troubles with the death of Alexei Navalny. Here to discuss this further is James, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about this situation? Certainly, David. The comments from former President Trump have sparked quite a controversy. He attempted to draw a parallel between his legal challenges and the tragic death of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. This comparison has been met with strong criticism, particularly from Joe Walsh, a former Republican congressman. What exactly did Walsh say in response to Trump's comments? Walsh didn't mince his words. He referred to Trump's comments as anti-American crap. It's clear that he strongly disagrees with the comparison made by the former president. And how has this been received in the wider political landscape? The reaction has been mixed. Some agree with Walsh's sentiment, viewing Trump's comments as inappropriate and disrespectful. Others, however, see it as another instance of Trump's unfiltered style of communication. It's certainly a topic that's causing a stir in the political sphere. Thanks for that report, James. Now, shifting our focus to the upcoming 2024 presidential election, President Joe Biden's campaign has expanded its financial advantage over former President Donald Trump's campaign. Biden's campaign entered February with nearly $56 million in cash reserves, while Trump's campaign had a little over $30 million. Meanwhile, South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, who is also vying for the GOP nomination, started February with just shy of $13 million. Here to delve deeper into this is our correspondent, Bella. Can you tell us more about the financial standings of these campaigns? Certainly, David. Incumbent presidents typically hold a fundraising advantage, and Biden's political operation is no exception. It ended January in a strong financial position with $130 million cash on hand across all its aligned committees. However, this still trails what Trump and the Republican National Committee had built up by this point in 2020, when they reported more than $200 million in cash reserves. But Biden, as the sitting president, has the ability to raise money jointly with the national party and stockpile cash now for the expensive general election fight ahead. What about the Democratic National Committee and the Republican National Committee? How are they faring in terms of fundraising? The Democratic National Committee outraised its GOP counterpart in January, bringing in $17.4 million and ending the month with $24 million in available cash. This far surpasses the $8.7 million in available cash for the RNC. The RNC's low cash reserves have been a major source of concern for the party and contributed to the exit of outgoing chair Ronna McDaniel, who is planning on stepping down from her role later this month. And what about Nikki Haley's campaign? How is she doing financially? 
Haley's campaign spent more than it raised in January, leaving her with just shy of $13 million in cash reserves. The lead super PAC supporting Haley's presidential campaign, SFA Fund, spent heavily in January and ended the month with just $1.9 million in cash on hand. Despite spending nearly $80 million in total supporting Haley's White House bid, she hasn't won any of the early state contests. What impact are Trump's legal troubles having on his campaign's finances? Trump's legal troubles are indeed having a significant impact on his campaign's finances. His leadership PAC paid out more than $2.9 million to law firms last month as his legal troubles mounted and ended January with an additional $1.9 million in unpaid legal bills. Last year alone, Save America spent more than $55 million on legal bills, accounting for nearly 85% of its spending. Finally, what about Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? He's mounting an independent bid for the presidency. How is his campaign doing financially? Kennedy brought in nearly $2.7 million last month and spent more than $3.2 million, leaving him with roughly $4.9 million remaining in the bank. American Values, a super PAC supporting his bid, plans to spend up to $15 million to get Kennedy on the ballot in key states. The super PAC ended the month with more than $23 million in available cash. Thanks for the insights, Bella. Now, shifting our focus to the upcoming 2024 elections, the question of why vote conservative or labor is becoming increasingly complex. The Conservative Party, after four terms in office, is facing criticism for delivering recession, a record high tax burden, and failing public services. Meanwhile, labor is gaining momentum, not necessarily due to enthusiastic endorsement, but rather as a result of anti-Tory sentiment. Here with more on this is our correspondent, Abby. Can you tell us more about this trend? Certainly, David. Last week's by-elections in Wellingborough and Kingswood saw a significant swing to labor. This was amplified by Liberal Democrats voting tactically and Tory loyalists staying at home. If this trend repeats nationwide, it could lead to a landslide victory for labor. But it seems that this potential victory for labor isn't necessarily an endorsement of the party, is it? That's correct. It's more a reflection of the public's desire to see the Tories out of power. Keir Starmer, the labor leader, has made himself strategically inoffensive to voters who are only willing to switch from the Tories once reassured that labor isn't a cult for unpatriotic spendthrift cranks. What about the Conservative Party's strategy to avert this potential catastrophe? Downing Street's plan hinges on wooing disillusioned Tories who are getting a taste for Reform UK, a party known for its social illiberalism and hostility to immigration. However, this strategy risks alienating moderate centrist Tories who are already turning to the Lib Dems. And how does the electoral system factor into all of this? The electoral system, which obstructs new entrants and penalizes small players, masks underlying volatility. The Labour-Tory duopoly has been in slow decline since the 1950s. British voters flee red and blue banners whenever offered a more proportional ballot. The current system has allowed the Conservative Party to pretend that two different entities, nostalgists for a pre-Brexit, liberal center-right politics, and a post-Brexit populist front, can both be called the Conservative Party. What might we expect if Labour does manage to win the next election? If Labour wins, the party will face the challenge of governing without the unifying goal of ousting the Tories. 
the compromises of government could dissolve the unity that the Get the Tories Out slogan has created. The first backbench rebellion of the new Labour government came just six months after Tony Blair's landslide victory in 1997, and Labour leaders can't expect prolonged gratitude for victory once the offenses against socialism begin. Thanks for your insights, Abby. In other political news, the death of Russian opposition figure Alexei Navalny in a Russian penal colony under unexplained circumstances has sparked international outrage. However, former U.S. President Donald Trump has been criticized for his refusal to condemn Russian President Vladimir Putin over Navalny's death. Instead, he has drawn parallels between Navalny's situation and his own legal troubles. Here to discuss this further is Celeste, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you elaborate on Trump's comments? Certainly, David. During a Fox News town hall, Trump offered a tempered tribute to Navalny, calling him a very brave guy, but suggested he probably shouldn't have returned to Russia. He then quickly shifted focus to his own legal issues, claiming that the U.S. is turning into a communist country and that he is being politically persecuted. How has President Biden responded to Trump's comments? President Biden has expressed outrage over Trump's refusal to condemn Putin's role in Navalny's death. He has also criticized Trump's attempts to draw comparisons between his own legal troubles and Navalny's situation, stating that there is no world in which Trump and Navalny can be compared. Can you explain why these comparisons between Trump and Navalny are being criticized? Navalny returned to Russia despite almost dying from a poisoning effort that he blamed on Kremlin agents. Trump, on the other hand, is being prosecuted according to the rule of law in the U.S. for his attempt to overturn the 2020 election and over his hoarding of classified documents. He is entitled to the presumption of innocence, a trial by jury, and the right of appeal. These protections do not exist in the Russian legal system. How does this situation impact the U.S.'s relationship with Russia? This comes at a time when U.S.-Russia relations are strained and the debate about ongoing U.S. support for war-torn Ukraine is causing deep political divides. It's also emerging as a key issue in the likely general election clash between Biden and Trump. The White House is readying a new round of sanctions on Russia following Navalny's death, adding to the existing restrictions imposed over the Kremlin's war in Ukraine. How is this situation likely to impact the upcoming 2024 election? Biden is already using Trump's attempt to draw comparisons with Navalny as part of a new effort to portray his predecessor as unfit for a return to the Oval Office. Given Trump's hostility toward Ukraine and his deference to Putin, it's clear that Ukraine's future, not just America's, will be on the ballot in November. That was Simply Politics, reporter Celeste. Thanks so much for being here. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Politics. We'll see you back here tomorrow.